I have no fear. I'm back in gear. I'm rocking the cat ears. Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room at the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And welcome to 2023. No more looks back. We're now looking forward to a new year, and I thank all of you for joining me as we get it going again. And this year, I'm planning to make this thing even bigger and even better. And there's even a little more personal touch I'm going to give to the show this year. And as we go through in the coming weeks and months, you're going to know more about that. Some news out of boxing. Well, it seems that the WBC, near the end of last year, decided that we're going to put together a policy to quote-unquote, make our sport more inclusive, when really what they want to do is make the sport, well, segregated. See, the World Boxing Council, via an interview given by its president, Mauricio Suleiman, to the Telegraph back on December 29th, says that they're working on plans for what they call a transgender initiative. So, something, they're not sure what this will look like. It could be a boxing league, it could be a tournament, but they're saying, they're saying, quote, it is time to do this because of safety and inclusion. We are creating a set of rules and structures so that transgender boxing can take place as they fully deserve to if they want to box. We're opening a universal registration in 2023 so that we can understand the boxers that are out there and we'll start from there, end of quote. Now, this is in response to a decision that the governing body made last August, which barred transgender boxers from competing against cisgender boxers. They, at the time, they said it was because of concerns about safety, fairness of competition, you know, the, the usual things that are said when these sort of things are put together. Well, a boxer who is trans has taken exception to this. Patricio Manuel, Friend now, friend of the show, was on the podcast back in November, had a lot to say on his Instagram in regards to the WBC's initiative. He said, quote, the WBC statements contradict policy that have been crafted over years at the highest level of sports governing agencies such as the International Olympic Committee and USA Boxing that sanctioned transgender men to fight with non-transgender men and transgender women to fight with non-transgender women. Manuel went on to say, quote, I hope the WBC will use its power to become an advocate for true transgender inclusion in the sport. I also hope they will reconsider their policy around transgender boxers after properly consulting with experts who are truly knowledgeable about transgender athletes. Manuel also took Suleiman to task for certain things that he said in that interview with The Telegraph. Move over, baby. There was a lot of misgendering going on. This was Solomon in that interview. In boxing, a man fighting a woman must never be accepted regardless of gender change. Now, Manuel, in his remarks on Instagram a couple of days ago, pushed back on that, saying, quote, the WBC is inherently dehumanizing transgender people, implying that trans men aren't men and trans women aren't women. This rhetoric flies in the face of existing policies and the highest levels of governing bodies of world sports and my own lived experience. Now, Manuel, in our interview with him in November, talked about this lived experience. 
even down to the weigh-in with my opponent, Hugo Aguilar, who's in that picture that I'm punching, um, you know, my coach and I were were curious how he was going to react, and we were doing our stare down, and he handed out his hand at the end, and we shook hands, and my, you know, my coach had a, a relief because we just didn't know what was going to happen, and I feel like it was best case scenario for me if we had someone who saw me as a man and respected me. Um, and and said that uh, to the um, LA Times as well that I was just another man just like him that wanted to win. And if I really think about the way most of the boxing community is when I come in and spar or when I train, um, I should have expected that they were going to have my support and and my backing. But you just, unfortunately, this is the reality of when you're trans is like your expectations of cisgender people are low um, because we've been hurt so many times by people not really stepping up for us. But I've actually was really happy and I guess proud, proud that this is the sport that I'm a part of, that so many men were like, yeah, you deserve to be here. Manuel is the first transgender boxer to step into the professional prize ring here in the U.S. He has made his debut back in December 2018, a unanimous decision of Hugo Aguilar. Now, what Manuel was saying just a second ago mimics a lot of my feelings in regards first to this policy by the WBC. I find this policy to be more the same old, same old, and Suleiman's blatant misgendering only made things worse. Um, at every point in this interview, Suleiman made it a point to say, basically, to misgender transgender people at every turn. So it that leads me to think that should should they have this open call? And there's nothing saying that the WBC is doing it yet. Right now, it is just a claim in an interview. I'd be inclined not to pick up the phone, given what the president of this governing body thinks about me and mine. But what you're seeing here, in many ways, is just another example of the push toward exclusion dressed up as inclusion. Because in my mind, that's what things such as open categories, things such as separate competitions, they that's the way they strike me, especially when they're not necessary. And in many ways, as scoreboards and data have shown over the last one or two decades, all this segregation is not necessary. And a lot of these rules, again, are being built on the backs of fear and hysteria. We've seen this time and time again in the number of sports, be it the swimming decision last year, be it cycling, which were strictly done out of unbased fears over one competitor in each case. And WBC is just the latest governing body to fall suit. There are also those who look at the movement towards non-binary ca categories as a means to build these greater open categories in a sense. Just stick everybody who's not cis and in the binary into these groups, whether they're called open categories, mixed groups, or what British Triathlon is doing. Tell everybody that we're in an open category, but make everybody register as men, which I find rather insulting, being that I'm not one. But I look at a lot of these things, and I see that many people are willing to try and push exclusion as inclusion and try and dress it up and call it as such when it's not. I'm reminded what Sam Hansen said back at the USA Cyclocross Championships 
one month ago. Hansen was a competitor in that inaugural non-binary national championship event. And they put this in very definite terms. A trans woman is a woman. A trans man is a man. So they should race with the men and the women. It's it's not actually that hard. You just have to listen to people when they tell you who they are because that is who they are. Elsewhere in this past week, back on January 5th, something that you should read was in the New York Times. And we all know the New York Times, not exactly known as a friend of trans people. They're all the anti-trans news that's fit to print to some. They had not bad from Yale University swimmer Isaac Hennig. Now, Hennig, last year, an All-American in women's swimming, is now swimming for the men's team this year. In effect, swimming is the man he is on the team where he should be. And by the op-ed he wrote in the New York Times, he's enjoying every minute of it. And I'll say this, read the article. In fact, I put, the, put it in the liner notes. Check it out. It's a good read, it's worth reading, and it's good to hear it directly from the perspective of the athlete who's living it. We're working on beaming Hennig up, and if we can make that happen, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, there were those who read this and tried to read more into it than it actually was. There were those who tried to read into it and say that, well, now he's not as good as a man. That ought, to, that ought to prove you something, which first is just a very insulting way to put someone's journey. And there are others who tried to use this as a means to take another shot at Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas, a former U University of Pennsylvania swimmer, trans woman national championship the, last year, now a student in law school and far removed from this. But there are those who will continue to try and beat that drum. New rule. It's almost been a year. Let it go. Leah has, and Isaac certainly has, by the joy you're seeing leap out of the pages in the words that he wrote. And Bennett has clear sailing, 21 yards into the end zone. Play fakes. That sets up the throw. Pressure coming on. Wide open. McConkey reaches up high. Touchdown. Touchdown, McConkey. Nobody near him. Bennett takes the snap in the shotgun, throws for the corner. Brock Bowers one-on-one. -on -one. Caught. Touchdown. Six more for Georgia. Perfection wears red and black tonight. 15-0. The dogs have done it and won a second consecutive national title. Georgia 65, TCU 7. Yes, it was a beating. It was a savage beating. It was also the confirmation of the legend of Stetson Bennett the fourth, The best quarterback who probably won't be long for the NFL, but I still believe there's a little bit more magic left in him. But there was no magic for TCU on Monday night. With more on that, the Gridiron Girls are back. Beaming up from Ohio. Shauna Atkinson beaming up from the Bay Area, fresh off a trip from Vegas. Chelsea Poe, welcome to the Transporter Room. Two beams up, energized. Hello, welcome. Good, glad to be here. Glad to be back. Well, it's always good to have always good to have you back and sixty five seven after after that semifinal Ugh. we had after that the that doubleheader we had on New Year's Eve. 
What a letdown. Yeah, I was kind of, I knew it was possible, truly. Um, just what Georgia did to Michigan last year, I knew that was still in them. And honestly, even if Michigan beat TCU, I think it would have been a similar result. I think we need to stop drawing Stenson Bennett, and we all do all the time. I mean, even the beginning of this year, we were all like, oh, Georgia can't do it. It's, it's Stenson Bennett. Well, he's uh, like, come on, I'm the worst defender of all. I did not pick Georgia <laughs> to make the college football playoff, and here they are, 15 and up. That is true. You know, we've all made mistakes, and that was not the best decision. But, you know, I don't think any, I think you're right. Whoever was in that championship game opposite Georgia was going to lose, maybe not that badly, but maybe that badly because yeah, um, Georgia was clearly the head and shoulders best team in the nation by the end of the season and they deserved it. And honestly, I feel like that was why there was really not that much fanfare toward the national championship game. I think after a very exciting, like last week of the NFL before the playoffs, after a much more thrilling uh, weekend before for college football, even mm-hmm. it really did feel like a letdown and a formality more than a game to look forward to. And I think that's a real shame. Well, for me, I've got to say first off one more time, I'm going to lament one more time about this, that me not picking Georgia is the most embarrassing thing involving (laughs) Georgia since the Herschel Walker Senate campaign. I I mean, are you ready for that level of embarrassment? I will own it completely. and. Maya culpa, Maya maxima culpa. Kirby Smart did the job again. And first thing, that defense, unreal. My God, that Georgia, that Georgia defense was ready because you didn't expect. I didn't expect. I'm wondering how did that defense give up 41 points in the semifinal? How did that happen? I think TCU just exhausted themselves against Michigan. I mean, the pace of that game was unreal like Michigan was down by I think like 20 points and they came all the way back to within three points and it was just back and forth that third quarter where like 45 points were scored in one quarter I've never seen a Michigan game like that that was the most exhausting game that game lasted like nearly well over four hours I think like it dragged on forever. Um, I just feel like TCU exhausted everything they had. And I think to your point, I feel like in many ways their win over Michigan was their championship and they yep. like it last night. And I feel like that was absolutely, they considered the, their season a success and they, I don't feel like they brought their A game against Georgia after going through the ringer against Michigan. Did you see the odds on TCU? If you would have bet ten grand in the beginning of the year for them to win the national championship, you would have made two million dollars if they won. That's crazy. Yeah, they were driving there. They were drawing two hundred to one odds. And by the way, about that TCU Michigan game, sixty nine points combined in a half. Nice. In a crazy. Half. I was I mean, watching that game, baking cookies, like, what in the world is this? I mean, as Harbaugh said, like, it sucks being a Michigan fan. Like, I was disappointed that night. There's a few calls that I highly disagree with, but it's good for the 
the sport. It was such an amazing, crazy game. I can't be mad about it. Like when you're part of these like big events where historical things happen, or it's the thriller of the century, you can't be mad afterwards. There's going to have to be a team to lose in those crazy games, just like Ohio State did against Georgia. Both those games were incredible. True. And I think really it's the the college football playoffs at its best. Where a hundred percent best year. You have the child the competition. And I think that if if the college football playoffs is that way every year, even if it results in a blowout in the championship game, I think college football is walking away pretty happy with it. A hundred percent. I mean, just I don't know if you saw the video, but when Ohio State's kick went um was no good it was at the exact minute that it hit struck midnight i'm unsure if anyone saw this but there were bars in columbus where balloons dropped the moment ohio state missed the field goal because at exactly midnight so there were ohio state fans in complete agony just with balloons falling on them and i think what was interesting too in that regard is legalized betting became available at midnight on a new year. <laughs> so you had people racing to place their bets at, on that kick. Oh my god. <laughs> that That is what made me feel better that day because I saw that Michigan game after I was like, okay, I'm ready to switch to all the New Year stuff. Um, went over to the family's house. I was kind of looking at my phone occasionally to be like, oh, what it? what is it? I got the last minute and a half of that game, Georgia going down the field scoring. And then we were watching the New Year's countdown in New York on in the background. It was the exact moment. And it made me so fucking happy. And I was like, <laughs> it's all great. If this is how the New Year is starting, I love it. I had a feeling you'd find that silver lining right there on an Ohio State defeat. <sighs> it's well, so it's good. Company. And at least... You know, and I had, like, my girlfriend's family, like, her dad just roots for Big Ten football. And so he was <laughs> for both Ohio State and Michigan because he has his loyalties to Ohio State. And then his other daughter went to Michigan. So, like, he roots for them. And so it is its kind of own kind of divided household in that regard. Yeah, and, I mean, the blown football. calls in that game. Um, my partner really isn't a college football fan, doesn't really care about it. Um, but went to a mission game with me and like sees how my family's so into it. Yeah. After those blown calls, it's been like every maybe like 12 hours for the first few days being like, oh, like, did they do something about that? And be like, no, babe, they can't do anything about that. <laughs> and they even asked that like yesterday during the game, be like, they should like do something about that though. Michigan would have played better. I'm like, I don't know if they would have, but like now, first of all, Chelsea, we that, think that, how that do you, touchdown. How do you deal with how do you deal with being a college football fan and dating someone who's not? Because I'm kind of dealing with that situation. So I live in a state where no one gives a fuck about college football. Do you know how many Cal and Sanford sweaters you see around here? Zero. You don't see anyone being like, mm, are you ready for the big Cal game this weekend? That's not a thing. So moving to California. Dan's from his basketball days, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, people just don't care about it here. I mean, here, I live, like, three blocks from Chase Center, so everyone's obsessed with the Warriors. People really care about the Giants here. Um, but even the 49ers, they're so far 
south from the actual city, I feel like if you're from the Midwest or maybe like Great Plains or the South, obviously, it's just like being in England and being born into your soccer club. Like, it's just something that's part of your life that's not even a conscious decision of like, one day I was like, I'm a Michigan fan. It was like, no, I was born, I was put into Michigan shoes at birth, you know, and had Michigan gear my entire life. I completely, I I agree completely. Like, obviously, like, I was raised as an Alabama fan from birth. And that, mm-hmm. like, because my dad was that born in the South and was very much, like, raised on it his whole life, brought it here, and, like, would tell I'm me. Wondering, yeah. What's your thought? What's your thoughts on the Alabama fans bringing, bringing a little revisionism in on, on the interwebs today about TCU shouldn't have been there? Nick Saban would have given them a game, probably would have won the national championship. I think that is the no. crimson-colored glasses speaking, because I do not think that is a... Look, they can believe that all they want, but I, they, they were the fifth-best team for a reason. And let's not ignore the fact, TCU is third, so they wouldn't even have had a chance to be in the championship. But, but, but Alabama's a safe... The team that beat TCU in the Big 12 championship game, Alabama kicked them around like a bad habit. And in a sense, that's kind of where I want to go is like, is it going, does it look like even with an expanded 12 team championship, which was what they're looking at for 25 or 26, or is it Big 10, SEC, everyone else at this point? Yeah, probably. Absolutely. Well, I yeah. mean, at this rate, the Big Ten is going to just absorb the rest of college football. So, I mean... <laughs> I mean, also, look at the schools the Big 12's adding, though. I think it's adding a lot of value. BYU's a consistently really good team. Um, Central Florida's always consistently good. Um, they're adding Cincinnati as well, right? Right. Oh, like, program in recent years. Yeah. It's going to make sense that the... I think the Big 12 is going to get better honestly with texas and oklahoma leaving even though that sounds like the craziest take of the century but these schools are going to be consistently good i don't think it's outside the realm to see any of those three schools in the playoff we're going to take it around the horn hot take for next year but before we do the hot take i want a question what's next for stetson bennett where did his story go next getting drafted in like the third to fifth round I think he should really look at the career of Janie Werfel because I think that is his future. I see this for Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett will win five great cups. <laughs> I, I like that. I think he will win five great cups. I could see that. I could see him doing very well. Like they could sell him and be like, you know, Calgary is the Athens of Canada. <laughs> I don't see him in Calgary though. I, I, being a Toronto Argonauts fan, even though the Argonauts won the Grey Cup, I'd like to see him in double blue. I would be all. I don't. I don't know about that. Bridge blue. Blue. I would be. I would be all for. If not that, I could see him and say, I want to see if he was going to the CFL. I want to see him in the media capital. And tell you, I want. I think that he has a face for Montreal. I think he should. He'd make an excellent Alouette. I want it to be instead of um, Emily in Paris. I want Stenson in Montreal. 
I really want that. I want him trying to figure out how to speak French, just being generally confused, really wondering where the Chick-fil-A is the entire time. I want that. Le Chick-fil-A in Montreal. <laughs> but now, hot take for next year. Everyone, go around the horn. For week zero, 2023, what is the hot take that we're going to remember? And when we do this in August, we're going to look back on this. Hot take. My hot take is I think Chelsea's going to have a much worse season because I think Ohio mm. State is going to go further than Michigan next year, and they're going to be in the championship game. First off, that's rude. Okay. Wow. Um, I think we're going to have a high profile college football player come out as gay this year. I think it's going to be like someone in the SEC or something, or like a major Power Five team. I like it. Like, we're. Now, I'm just wondering, I want you to elaborate on that. Why do you think this will be the year? And it, and you think it will happen in Divi- in the FBS? Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to happen. Um just every year it feels like there's a little bit more and more gay visibility in college football that there was an FCS player who came out this year. Wasn't it for like Howard? I might be wrong. No, Hampton. Hampton, Hampton. Hampton. Sorry about that. Came out for came out last year in their FCS school. Yeah, I think there's just like in the NFL there's a few openly gay players now. I think it's just going to start to become yeah. a thing. My hot take, Deion Sanders, two wins, ten defeats. What? <laughs> wow. Oh, I think that, that this is a good No one. way. I know you are very disappointed that Deion Sanders jumped. No, I, actually, I'm not disappointed so much that he took the job. Okay. Or I'll put it this way. Two and ten may be a little hard, but I will say losing record, no bowl for Deion first year. Okay. Or at least a bowl uh, of significance, maybe. No, no bowl. Well, I'm going to go because think about the schedule. Woman and I can't this is what this is what the schedule is going to look like for for Colorado next year. They they have moved their opening date. Arizona State will be the opener at yeah. Arizona State. Just added then at, then at TCU. Mm-hmm. Then Nebraska at home, and I'll say it right now: Huskers beat the Huskers will beat the Buffaloes 24-20 in that game. Matt Rue will win that game. It's a battle of two new coaches, high profiles for their schools. Matt Rule, formerly Baylor, Lincoln is rolling the dice. And that's my other hot take. Nebraska will not go to a bowl either next year. Even with all the high hopes, there's a lot of hope being put on rules with an immediate turnaround like he did at Baylor. Well, I don't he see was that. Very successful in the college land. He was he was very successful at Baylor. I just don't see that quicker that that snap the fingers turn around. People are talking about eight nine wins. It's not going to happen. No no bowl for either of them. We got the red alert plaques in going. You know what that means? Got to take a break. Give love to the sponsors. When we come back, we switch over. Talk a little bit of NFL. It's Super Wild Card Weekend coming up, and also. What does Ve- what is the connection between Chelsea, Shauna, and Vegas? More on that to come. This is the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. We'll be back.
and welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay Webb. The Gridiron Girls are back. Chelsea Poe, Shauna Atkinson. We talked about college football. Now we're talking about pro football because Road Super Bowl 57 starts right this weekend with Super Wild Card Weekend. And this NFL season has been wild. We were talking about how the NFL season has teams you weren't they said this was like the first time in like 40 or 50 years that there were no Colts, Steelers, or wow. Yeah, there are no Colts in the playoffs, no Steelers in the playoffs, and there was one other team who did not make the playoffs. Probably the Patriots. Yeah, don't no Patriots, no Colts. Yeah, no Patriots. Playoffs. This has been a while since you had a playoffs where one of those teams did not make it. Um, mm-hmm. this is wild. Yeah, no Packers. Yeah, Packers, no Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Um and a number of teams that are limping in the playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely. Shauna, opening up with you, opening up with you here as our NFL analyst. What game is 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 just screaming at you? Well, of course, you have the AFC North rivalry game with the Bengals and Ravens, and I think that is always a good game when those teams get together, especially. Is then, but the question is, is Lamar Jackson going to come back? Because he's been out longer than he was supposed to be, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest game changers. But I think that's why, for me, I'm really looking forward to Jaguars Chargers. You've got two of the best up and coming quarterbacks in the league in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these two teams, like the Jaguars, who were awful, hash year and have really made such a big jump this year i think it'll be interesting to watch to see how they handle the spotlight in a national setting chelsea what game's jumping out at you i mean i feel like everyone is emotionally a bills fan right now and that's why i want to revise my super bowl pick because i have a heart and show compassion despite people online being mad about it i want the bills to win the whole super bowl i mean that whole like everything last week was so emotional. I think, especially after watching, I think I watched like 10 days straight of games from, I watched every college bowl game. Essentially. I was watching a little bit of that game before that happened. And I, you just can't not be a bills fan right now. Um, just, it's so great that Demar is back in Buffalo out of the hospital, seemingly healthy, but that's something that's been on my mind for so long of, What's going to happen in one of these games, whether it's the NFL or college, if we see someone pass away on the field from either a hard hit, heart issues, something, how are we going to respond to is, yeah. you know, a culture. And it's so great that everyone's really rallied around them and everything. But it was honestly hard for me to even watch the national championship um, last night at first because they're just going into the game. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to watch another game right now, truly. After a while, it's a fair take, and I think it's it's heart wrenching, and I think like it's really easy to for like to not focus necessarily on like those very real the humanity of it all, and I think it really front and center, and hopefully it'll be a positive that I think hopefully it'll lead to a kinder discourse because frankly I think you do see a lot of treating, especially at the pro level, but like college kids are you know, not professionals, although mm-hmm. might as well be. Oh, like, oh, but I think we're seeing remembering that there's just at the youth level too. I mean, right. yeah. 
But their people I, in the game is, I think, an important aspect that hopefully will has been brought to the forefront. You know, and I think like in the you know a one eighty of that, you saw the. Uh, Do you see the Chiefs play with the spinning? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I saw that Vegas. Yeah, I was in Vegas that day, and people were like, I could see the argument that they were showing up their opponent and. Sure. But also, they are grown adults playing a game. And mm-hmm. I think remembering that football should be fun and sports should be fun is something that well, can get lost, especially late in the season. And I sure. liked seeing that kind of thing. Well, one thing, I'm with you on that. And one thing, it's great to see DeMar Hamlin out of the hospital. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. To see DeMar Hamlin home. Because that's scary. The last yeah, we time, didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, the last time an NFL player died on the field was fifty years was fifty one years yep. ago. That was the year I was born. Mm-hmm. Chuck Hughes was the year I was born. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing Darren Daryl Stingley getting his neck broke. In yeah, that was. Game. I remember Mike Utley, which was the Detroit Lions lineman who yep. suffered a, a grievous neck injury in a game. I remember watching that as a kid. That was I mean football you see things like this and it's just another reminder and I tell people a lot that athletes these are not machines these are not cyber nine system series 101s out there these are human beings. I think you you did see like you did see a lot of that not you know you know and especially with the when the game was ultimately canceled and like yeah Everyone was in support of Bill's Mafia until it mm-hmm. came time to playoffs. I like the fact yeah. that people rung up for a they rung up for the toy drop the toy drop. Yeah, really like four million dollars. Absolutely. And, but I'm with you. I think the Bills will win the Super Bowl. I yeah, I, I, I mean think, I think the Bills the story will of all the stories. I think this is going to be the best sports story since um, the Cubs won the World Series. It's a super long drought. You have this huge emotional connection now to a player who literally died on the field and they brought him back like just and, truly unreal. And big ups to big ups to the to the medical crew for the Bills first. Yeah, they saved his life. Yeah, I mean and I think that's going to happen but the game Looking back, the game that really leaps out at me is actually the three NFC games. The three NFC games all leap out at me because I see three upsets. Interesting. Because I see I see 49ers losing. I see the Vikings oh. losing. I see the <laughs> Cowboys losing. Yeah, Cowboys are definitely going to lose. The Cowboys to me, to me at the Buccaneers. Well, the Cowboys are actually the fifth seed. They that. So, yeah, yeah, but the that Cowboys is true. are the favorite. But the Cowboys are the favorite. Fair. The only reason the Buccaneers are the four seeds because they won a bad. They were the they were the best team it's, in the bad division. Yeah, I think it's a rule that is antiquated and should change because I think it should not hold nearly as much weight. But that's mm, I'm I'm still a believer in the. I personally think there ought to be an eight. You if you're going to go fourteen, bump that go. You might as well go sixteen team playoff. Yeah, I mean sixteen makes sense. I mean, it feels silly that how I mean, like basketball is the same way, and I don't think anyone can 
planes too terribly much. That's well. To be honest, I think the I think the NFL playoffs has to have too many teams. But I mean, I'll admit, I'm people say I'm crazy. I'm just growing old. I remember when four teams. I was still I'm still old enough to remember when four teams made the playoffs. When four teams from each conference made it, then they added five. Then later they've added six. Now they've added seven because they want more money. Might as well just go all the way mm-hmm. to eight. But I see, yeah, I see the, but I see those games. The team I think that's going to really make a run are the Seahawks. I could see because, that. I could because, see them have a thing. Brit- Brittany Miller, Jerrica Moore. This is for you, Geno Smith, <laughs> NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Yeah, Gino's- this guy has been through hell and back. And he's modern day Jim Plunkett. He's Jim, Honestly, he's Jim Plunkett. I I follow the NFL pretty casually. Like I'll maybe like watch a random game here or there. I'm fully in on college football, obviously. So mm-hmm. I was just watching like a playoff preview while eating earlier. And when they're like Geno Smith, and I'm like, how is he still playing? I thought he retired like five years ago. Straight up shocking. I mean, Colt McCoy is still in the league as a backup. We do share the same birthday, oh. and also with, also with Francis and Ganu too. So those are the three: <laughs> me, Francis and Ganu, and um, Colt McCoy. But but mainly, I just don't I don't buy Brock Purdy. I think the Brock Purdy boom is going to run out of gas. I've never bought Kirk Cousins. I all I he can do is break your heart. Vikings Giants is going to just promptly lose in the next round. A hundred percent. I feel like it is. Like, I think the Vikings are the better team because I think the Giants are, they're fine. But like, you know, it was a weak NFC this year, honestly. Well, here's another question. How vulnerable are the Philadelphia Eagles? How vulnerable are the Eagles? I think both number ones are vulnerable. For sure. To a a divisional playoff loss. I think the Eagles are... I, the worst thing you want to see as a Philadelphia Eagle is number 12 for the Buccaneers standing on the other sideline. I mean, this is all Tom Brady has anymore. I don't want to see that. This is all he has. He's a, yeah, you as said I said before, last month, divorced dad who lives in Florida. That's Tom Brady right now. And what do you divorced dads have in Florida? Just like their one job at a pirate ship or some shit. Like he's a perfect Florida divorced dad energy. This yeah. is all he has. He's literally a pirate ship. That's perfect. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Like Re- rest in peace, Mike Lynch, by the way. And it's, a, and it really pains me to say that because I really like Jalen hurts. I really like Jay. I would love to see Jalen hurts go to a super bowl and win it. Yeah. Problem and, is you got the bill. Problem is you got the Bills, and they're take away the emotional angle. They're still probably the best team in the league. Yeah, Josh I Allen's unreal. That, uh, yeah, I think it would be very cool to see a Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts Super Bowl. I think that would be a. I would just. Oh, I think that would be so much fun. And there would be so, be so many angry racists. And I love that'd that. be real life. That would be I real mean, life Madden. <laughs> yeah, be, just be just... Be, like it would make me very happy for that because I think they're both like I'm. I'm a big Lamar. Like even though he plays for the Ravens, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. I think they. I think he's just I'm with the. I'm. I'm torn on. I'm torn on Lamar because I like Lamar a lot. Mm-hmm. 
but he plays for the damn Ravens. I, you don't and, know. Uh, you and know, I, I, right. yeah. the same I way mean, I feel about the a certain quarterback for the Browns because I loved him in college. Mm. I mean, his legal problems, yes, I know, notwithstanding, but but I mean, he's bad at Clemson, and actually, he's yeah. pretty decent as a Brown. I mean, the NFL, the NF, the the AFC. AFC North next year is going to be damn interesting. I, it's going to I be a really, damn interesting division. Deshaun Watson had a very poor return. I think that is an understatement. Mm-hmm. That he had, he had, he had his moments. He absolutely flashed those glimpses that made you see why Andrew Barry and the Browns brass decided to trade multiple first round picks for him and give him such an incredibly large contract. However. I think that it is, they definitely, they need to add a weapon. And rumor has it that DeAndre Hopkins is available, though I don't know that they'll have the capital to go out and get him. But that would be really interesting to see them paired together again. Do you want to give a quick note to the best team I don't think anybody's really talking about? Because everybody's on the Jaguars train, Chargers beat them. I think that's probably likely, so. yeah. I, I, no, yeah. I like Herbert. I, I really like Herbert. You know, there. You know, if you follow NFL Twitter enough, you see the common joke that there's no such thing as a normal Chargers game, and mm-hmm. so I think that you're really going to see. I think I can see the Chargers who have been in a lot of close, weird games. I think they have what it takes to beat the Jaguars, and I think the Jaguars are going to be honestly. I think they're TCU, and they're just going to be happy to have been there, and then yeah. they're going to move on and see you next year. Hope they'll retool it. I think like. You have the AFC has more good quarterbacks than the NFC right now. If you look mm-hmm. at, you know, like Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen as the last two I'm naming here. And even, to yeah, Manoa, like, like, there's a, like, that is a, significant, oh, like, and those okay. are the bad quarterbacks. Like, okay, that, you're, like, le- okay, you're leaving a name out, and I know why you're leaving out. a name out. I know you're why you're leaving a name out. What name am I leaving out? I don't recall. That's that's some Cleveland stuff going on there. I don't know. I don't I think I need You're leaving a name out. You're leaving a name. I'll let you think about I'll let you no, marinate. Ponder, but I, I will let you I will let you marinate on that All Brian right, site. So. Can he pick it? Who? I'm sorry. Oh. Can he pick it? Just remember the name. Remember, if it wasn't for the New York Jets, we would be talking about the Steelers playing the Bills right now. That is true. That is true. <laughs> you know, and, you know, again, and, you know, I talked to you on the side about this, but credit where credit's due to Mike Tomlin, who in what was supposed to be a down year, really, like, was within a game of making the playoffs. And I think that's really a testament. So, that was a 5-12. and 12, That was a 5-12 and 12 team. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh should be lucky to have them. Even well, there's a lot of people. There is a lot of people saying fire Mike Tomlin. There's still people say fire I, Mike Tomlin. And I think uh, that's the dumbest thing because I'll Okay, fire Mike Tomlin. You know what happens? There are there are going to be ten clubs that are going to call him one minute after he leaves the Steelers facility. A quarterback in this playoff who will be so much better once he finds a new team. Dak Prescott. Mm, yeah. When you got to leave that clown car in Dallas, you got to leave that. I'm a big problem. I we I've said this on the show before, but I'm a big Dak Prescott fan as well, and I think he's yeah, I really I'm like a him. Huge Dak, I'm a huge Dak fan, and I think the problem is 
Dallas is such a clown car. It, it always it has been since the 90s. Yeah, it, but the difference is in the 90s, you had a coach. When you had Jimmy Johnson there, you had a coach that was not beholden to every whim of Jerry, who could tell Jerry Jones, sit down, mm-hmm. shut up, I'm running the team. You don't have that coach. Not even Bill Parcells was that coach. He certainly tried. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you got to leave that. The problem, the Dallas Cowboys on paper should be, should not be a five seed. I had them as my Super Bowl pick the last time we talked, if you recall. That I think that they are a sneaky Super Bowl pick because between Micah Parsons on defense and all of those weapons on offense, like I think that there's a they're a very deep team. But let's see if they can get out of their own way. Well, quick, quick around the horn, Super Bowl pick. Let's have it. I have to do the Bills now. I mean, I feel like I'd be an awful person if I saw the Bills losing in the Super Bowl. So. I have to go with the Bills. I'm gonna. I still think it's gonna be against Tom Brady, but I want the Bills to win over the Bucks. Bills, Bucks. Shauna, who you got? I think it's going to be the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs absolutely. Mm. I think the Bills have burned through a lot of emotional energy these last two weeks, and I think they're going to run out of steam. Unfortunately, I think they've got a really good team, and if they win to the championship, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm gonna personally. I think Patrick Mahomes is have is the best quarterback in the game and that we've seen in a long time. I think he takes the team to the, the Super Bowl and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be the I I think it's going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys. I think it's going to be wow. those two teams and I I'm going to stick with the Cowboys because I I'm, I'm going to I don't want to change horses midstream, but I I would not be surprised a bit. I think that's going to be the two the four teams to watch out for. I think it's going to be one of those four. My choice for the NFC Championship at the beginning of this season fired their coach yesterday. Fired their coach two days ago. <laughs> sure did. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> and I and I said I think when we talked back to that, I was like, Cl- "This is a make it or break it year for Cliff." Yeah, for Cliff, and he broke, and he broke. Sure did. I've, I think it's going to go. I think Bills are going to. I understand what you're saying about the emotions, but I think actually these emotions are not going to burn out. That's going to be the fuel. This team, everyone, the Bills are going to catch fire. They'll get they'll get through Miami, get through their divisional round. I think they'll meet Kansas City. Now, remember, on a neutral field, sure. that'll be a neutral field game. Because oh, it's going to be the, the new rules. It'll be on the. It will be. Field. Yeah, that'll be a neutral field game. So I still believe the Bills where? will find a way to get past. That's the question. Where the Bills? I get have past the Chiefs. I have, have the solution. It. Do you know about the Kibby Dome in Idaho? <laughs> Put it in the Kibby Dome. Let's do it. <laughs> That's your solution to everything. No, no, no. Yep. Put no, it in the Kibby right Dome. Now. See, that's why we just need Chelsea Poe Commissioner. We need. I, we need a football. We need a football league ran by. We need a sports league ran by Chelsea. See, be serious. Top sixteen teams. The rest, cutthroat kitchen. Let's get crazy. <laughs> yeah. But for me, I'm going to go Bills. E- I'm going to go Bills Eagles. Bills win it. Josh Allen fulfills a destiny as Super Bowl MVP. Well, I'm going to give me, I'm going to give you a Puget Sound pronouns hot take. The Seahawks are going to scare the hell out of the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. 
I, I think Seattle that. Seattle's going to make a Seattle is going to make some going to make a bonsai Cinderella run, and Geno Smith's going to like make a lot of money when this is over. Mm. Now, now switching gears away from some football to a little bit of fun because Chelsea, you just came back from a ton. Of, I'm yes. checking out your Twitter and your Instagram. You had a lot of, had a little bit of fun over there in Vegas. Yeah, Avian's a whirlwind. It's porn's version of I would say like the Olympics because how big it is and how many people from around the world are there. It's truly a whirlwind of uh I think I was there for five days and it feels like I was there for a month. That's amazing. And it I I also like I love seeing like you just like were beaming. It looked like you were just having a blast. Really made me happy to see. Thanks. Um yeah I found out um my roommate during AVN, um, my best friend's boyfriend is actually related to Jim Harbaugh, which blew my mind because it just casually came up. Um, but sadly, we had the same result as Michigan losing in the desert on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> how many nominees? How many nominations did you have this year? Um, one, we were nominated for best BDSM film, so we were up against all the heavyweights. We were up against Penthouse, Kink.com. Joanna Angel, all the big names. But the real story about AVN was we had the first ever um, Black Performer of the Year. Um, my friend Kieran Noir won. It's so deserved. She's one of like the coolest people in this industry. And yeah, just her reaction was so meaningful. She was like sobbing and was just like, this has to be a dream. This can't be real. And yeah, just seeing that many sex workers and particularly just the trans acceptance in the porn world now is so crazy. Um, of all the nominees, there were probably 20% trans women or trans men, non-binary people. And yeah, I wish there were more competitions and events in the world that us being there isn't really even a big deal or even mentioned. And I think that is where, like, you know, and I love that it's such that it is kind of that way. And honestly, you are a trailblazer in that regard. And you really don't Thank you. You work so hard to get it to that point, you know, and working against, you know, fighting against slurs in the industry is such a normalized like way. And like so many trans women growing up were constantly inundated with that kind of language and that and I I think it's really such a positive impact. Um I'm just really happy for you. And I second that. And just to note, if you want to know, if you want to know more about what Chelsea's done in a relatively young career, we're going to put the original interview I did with her last year in the liner notes. I mean, I, she, bro she breaks down just the process of, of may of, of pushing through and making and making the statements that got the industry to where it is. It, yeah, it, I mean, if, if you did it, it's not bragging. It's just, um, I think just really interesting to see how fast the industry changed. And honestly, it's like the NFL 10, a 10 year career in the NFL is a long career. And it's the same with porn 10 years. I've seen so much stuff happen, both good and bad that it's just a whole different world now. Um, most of the new performers are Gen Z and have completely different experiences of dealing with transphobia. When I came in, like the awards were sponsored by shemail.com. There was an award <laughs> show called the Tranny Awards. 
all trans women were like labeled as men on campsites. Like it just changed so much. And now it's just like trans people are just basically accepted in porn for the most part. And it's so many, like, you know, and so many, like, so many of us have been like, oh, yeah, in our lives, we were just, like, you know, seen as the women we are. And then having to, like, go in, like, those kind of, like, to see it that way, like, you know, I always think of um, the work of, like, Jen Richards, who has spoken very Mm -hmm. about those kinds of pop culture influences really can affect how people view like trans women, especially since not a lot of people know us or see us on a personal basis, that relationships to pop culture are often where they get their ideas from. And I just love seeing that change happen everywhere because I think it's really important. And I think it's a very positive, you know, sign for the future. And we all look forward to a day when just everything gets like that, where it's like Mm -hmm. not a big deal anymore. Because that's somebody really starting to see it, you know, I think especially as more, you know, with the like, I think the pandemic really helped a lot of people's eggs break, so to speak, and that, you know, Mm -hmm. parlance, because when you were removed from your day to day, heavily gendered life, it really can cause that introspection if you had those Mm -hmm. questions. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's, I mean, that's facts. I mean, in some of the work I do, I've seen how I saw how you know, all of a sudden pandemic and all of a sudden everybody started, everybody had their awakening because they had the room and the safety to explore it. Yeah. And I mean, everyone, I think everyone had to figure out some of their own stuff during the pandemic overall, because like whether it's positive or negative, like everyone came out of the pandemic, very different. Very true. You know, and like, and even in like little things, like I was very fortunate, like I had a good friend who kind of helped me on this, but like, you know, exploring more of like my high femme roots and that kind of way and like really getting to like, because as when you have those things removed, you're like, well, what do I really want to be putting out as we're re-entering and going and presenting mm-hmm. ourselves in a more public setting? And I was like, oh, I do actually like playing with like this kind of presentation in a way that I didn't before. And I've really grown to appreciate that about myself. Um I just want to say one thing about the Bailey J thing. Yeah. So I worked with her and it was her first scene coming out of retirement. She's like, I want to do queer porn. I can't believe I've never been that starstruck with anyone in my life. And then it was like, oh, we're going to do a scene together. And I used to wear like fake hipster glasses and she put them on in the scene. And I'm just like, I can't handle this. (laughs) I was just like, oh my God, I can't. That is Wait a absolutely very cool. Like Chelsea Post Starstruck. Yeah. Wow. It was my first time ever in New York City. I was in the porn industry for maybe a year. And obviously Bailey J's the most accomplished ever trans woman performer. And at that point she was retired. And she was like, Oh, I really want to work with you and reached out to me maybe like six months into being in doing me doing porn so i was like super starstruck and then we um shot in at the gramercy park in new york this fancy ass hotel it was just us being like holy shit this is bailey J." and we ran into john waters at the hotel going up to shoot it's just like what is this that's for this <laughs> this isn't part of it and then it was like cosmo was there right after to interview i'm just like what the fuck? This is not what they tell you porn is going to be when you're living in Michigan shooting porn, but what do you yeah. 
I thought it was just going to be like, yeah, I'll shoot a few scenes. I'll move back to Michigan after six months, you know. Yeah. But I think she deserves so much props. I think she's by far the best ever um, trans performer. And I think overall, she's in my top five of porn performers of all time. There's no one who's that universally recognized, maybe other than Jenna Jameson, for an era of porn or a genre. That's true, because she really was in that certain era of the internet where it was really like that kind of like niche like it was really starting to grow especially for trans mm-hmm. i think that's such an interesting that's such a good point that like she is like you know like the godmother of trans porn in some ways and she's like totally basically even when she was doing porn she was like yeah i don't want to go to award shows i want to like talk to other people and she just like lived in some small town in new york and just did just hung out with her husband essentially <laughs> you know and i respect that too as being like this is just like i didn't do it like if it like she yeah that way like and at least for anything i've seen for that's yeah like, that's so cool that you got to do a scene with her yeah oh, I'm still starstruck is now while chelsea is leaving vegas shawnee yep. get going that's you're going because you're going to the big you're going to the big sports weekend coming up Absolutely. Uh, I'll be participating in the Sin City. Sin City, baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sin City is, the Sin City Classic is a very large, it's the largest LGBT sports tournament in the country. And it's where you're going to see, it's many sports. And so I'm only participating in dodgeball. But there's, you know, you have everything from cornhole to flag football to ultimate frisbee like uh pickleball the sport sweeping the nation yeah which is very trendy it's very a group for my i have a group for my softball league we're sending a team out see so there there's a group going out yeah and so um like dodgeball alone has a beliefs like 750 participants and it's like an 8,000 person tournament coming into vegas so wow. I'm very excited because I am on two teams for this week and I'm going to be participating both in the co-ed division and on a women's team. And I, it's going to be very busy because I have to start playing at nine o'clock for the women's division and then it switches right thereafter for co-ed. So I'm going to wow. be very tired and already going to West Coast time. So, you know, it'll be what it'll be, but honestly, I'm very excited for it. It's going to be some of the teams travel from all over, from Canada, United States, to come to this tournament. And it's going to be some really great competition. And I can't wait to see how I stack up in that regard. You just make sure you hydrate. Absolutely. Yeah. As someone who was just in the desert, running around and doing all these things, just chug as much Gatorade as you can, honestly. Like, I was so dehydrated the whole time. You know, and I think that is going to be a very important thing to remember is those like little things, making sure, you know, uh, my my wonderful spouse has already packed me fruit leather and other like granola bars. <laughs> I'll make sure that I like, you know, so I, I appreciate that. You is know, it at UNLV? Gosh, I don't know where it is, actually. I have to look at it. I think that it's at the it's at a, diff- a few different sports complexes. Mm. And I'm not sure where. I just got an email today. I'll I'll check and confirm. But like, I'm just going to go wherever they tell me to go. <laughs> <laughs> the benefits of rooming with a couple of people from my women's team and going like I was like, all right, make sure someone will make sure that my very bad waking up self will be able to get there on time. 
Well, for both of you, exit question. Yeah. And so we're well, in, we're 10 days into a new year. Yes. What's the biggest thing you're looking to do in 2023? I'm just trying to go back. I'm just trying to go back to AVN. Just like JJ McCarthy said after the machine game, we're going to be back. You're just going to put the hard work back in. I have a, I have a film coming up. Um, I'm releasing a film this month, Chelsea Smith's 2. I'm shooting a really big um, film this Saturday. And then the East Bay Brats are coming out with another movie probably this summer. So just to keep it up, I mean, now that the world's starting to return a little more back to normal, I feel like just truly came out of the pandemic better and just in a better mental space in better, better physical space. So I'm just ready to get back and hopefully get back to getting a nominee for more of these awards and spending more time in Vegas. And, you know, maybe if we win one one day, that's great. But I'm really just about the process right now. Trust the process. I mean, Chelsea it didn't work out for it didn't work out for them, but <laughs> I mean, they got you all in beat. It could have been worse. But... <laughs> Shauna, what about you? What's uh, what's what's big for you for 2023? Honestly, very similar. Just kind of keeping at, and I'm really looking to keep growing my dodgeball career and hell yeah, skating on like these big tournament levels and to see. I'm very interested in seeing where I'm at from Sin City today to when I'm prepping for going next year. I think seeing that growth as I've already seen my game really improve. You know, I also kind of honestly feel like I'm in one of the best physical shapes of my life right now. Like, I feel like there's something to be said for that as well. And I'm really excited to just keep improving and keep growing, you know, not especially in my family move to a new house. So getting settled in that way and like in the next year and really kind of letting our roots grow. I think I'm really looking forward to just continuing to build upon what I the foundation I've already established and to keep growing it from there. Well, I'm looking forward to having you both back throughout 2023. Yeah, most assuredly. Um, in yeah, fact, always. In fact, there may be there. You may have to do a special gridiron girl sometime later in the spring, if some certain things break the way I'd like them to. All right. Because <laughs> how would you like to both break down film film of me playing? I think that sounds yeah. Cool. I mean that you're doing that. Wow. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, talk about your experiences. Yeah. Right. I'm looking at wearing pads for the first possibility of wearing pads for the first time. Gotten over 30 years. Wow. That scares me a little bit. I mean, it's we're. Scary. I guess both of our goals for this year is we're both getting beat up just in different ways. <laughs> Hey, we're all going to wind up with bruises and we're all set. Yeah, we're all going to get bruises somehow. Yeah, but yours are enjoyable. (laughs) I mean, mean, they are, but it's also a bruise. I feel it. (laughs) I love having you both here at the podcast. And here's to a great 2023 for you both. Chelsea Poe, Shauna Atkinson. It's always great to have you on the transport around. Always. And it's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Carly. I love I, I love whenever the three of us can get together and I can't wait till next time.
Yeah, this is literally a dream um, to do this with y'all. It's just so much fun. And that's also been during this Michigan run literally doesn't make sense in my head because people were dunking on me for years for being a Michigan fan. Just being like, why do you do that? So that has been during this time period, too. It's just so literally a dream come true that we get to be lesbian and talk about sports and talk about trans shit. Like, literally couldn't ask for anything more. You know, and I want to add to that, too, something that, you know, looking back on my 2022 and what one of my favorite parts of it was, I have gained, you know, you two especially, but like so many beautiful friendships with other trans women in the last year. And I can't wait to see that continue to grow. And like, that makes me really happen, like happy to find, you know, that community and those connections in ways that like, I just think it's really awesome. And like, I love to see it. I'm going to beam you both back down. Enjoy a happy new year to you both. Let's keep it happy going. New happy new year. Anna, I will Go blue. Up. Fuck Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks to Chelsea Poe, Shauna Atkinson, telling one of the best things that we did in the transporter room in 2022 was get this group together and get this band yeah. together. And it's always great. When those two are here and we can just chop it up and talk some sports. But before we go, Carly's last call. And this last call takes a look at a special story that happened in sports over the last week. On this week in 1866, a school started class. This school started class in Nashville, Tennessee just months after the guns of the American Civil War fell silent. That school began with a small group of students whose ages ranged from 7 to 70. The common denominator of this group is that each of the students in this school were black, survivors of slavery, survivors of the poverty they're in, survivors of the war which had ravaged the country, not only physically, but emotionally. That school is today known as Fisk University. It is one of the crown jewels of historically black colleges and universities. Its alum base is distinguished from W.E.B. Du Bois class of Fisk class of 1888, poet Nikki Giovanni, to civil rights activist and former U.S. Congressman John Lewis. Fisk University to African Americans is a Harvard. It is a Yale. It is a Stanford. It was one of the first, and it is a survivor. And this past week in Las Vegas, ironically enough, another thing that happened in Vegas, that school was a groundbreaker. Prior to the start of the school year, Fisk University started a gymnastics team. They became the first HBCU to field a varsity gymnastics team. This tiny NAIA school in Tennessee will compete at the NCAA level in gymnastics. And they had their first competition in Las Vegas at the Super 16. Now, the Super 16 traditionally is a battle of the best. They get 16 of the top schools together, former national championship schools. 
current na- current teams that are going to be in the running for the national title when gymnastics decided in April are at this tournament. Well, this year they did something a little bit different. They invited Fisk, this inaugural competition. Fisk was in a foursome with the University of North Carolina, the University of Washington, and Southern Utah. And as expected, the first time school, a Division III school, really, if you're looking in NCAA classification, they finished far behind. But it wasn't so much the result. It was the fact that they showed up and actually they showed out. They had a freshman named Morgan Price. Now, Morgan Price turned down Power Five schools to join this dream at Fisk. And all she did was get on a vault and put up a 9.9. She was the only competitor in the entire competition of the 16 schools to put up a 9.9. Not a bad start for Fisk. Like I said, as expected, the rest of the schools scored in the in the 190s, as a lot of Division I schools would tend to do. Their final score was 188.150. But again, it was a win for showing up. And also a win for the sport. How so? A number of the teams sent the messages via Twitter, via Instagram. One of those who stood out was Stanford. Stanford, a national championship contender, took a little time for their Twitter to send a welcoming message to Fisk. And Fisk coaches and the Fisk athletes, they talked up and down throughout their Twitter, throughout Instagram, about the welcoming and the warmth that they received from these schools to the new school in town taking on this sport. What's the moral of the story here? At one level, kudos to Fisk for taking this shot. Kudos to Corian Tarver, the head coach for going house to house, door to door, and talking to a bunch of freshmen and sophomores, the entire team of freshmen and sophomores, and telling them, how would you like to be a part of history? And how would you like to be a part of a dream? Kudos to our assistant coach, India Anderson, to assistant coach, Courtney Chinnery, and to team manager, Sonia Copeland, and all those in the Fisk Athletic Department who made this happen. And kudos to a group of freshmen and sophomores who bet on their dreams, bet on their hopes, and join this ride for the Fisk Bulldogs. Someday, years from now, we're going to be watching a Summer Olympics. And you're going to see some kid do something brilliant. They're going to hand the mic over to her, and they're going to say, an excellent ball. You're a medalist. Where did this begin for you? And she'll look proudly in the camera and say, this ride began at Fisk University. Taking a chance, having the will, and also providing the welcome. That's what inclusion's about. And that's what grows a sport. And that's the transporter room for this week. Welcome to 2023. I'm glad to have you on the ride again. And just a reminder, if there's something you want to see on this podcast, something you want to say about it, or someone you'd like to see get beamed up here, 
Leave a message for me on my Twitter page. Leave a message on my Facebook page. Leave a message on our Instagram page, 10 Transporter Room 10 Forward. Remember, everything that I do at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you. I do it for the people who support us, the people who download us, the people who listen to us. And I'm glad that you've joined the ride for another year. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and steady as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.